Hello and welcome to Botris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing Better Off Wed by Susanna Craig. This was published in 2021 and is the third book in the Love and Let's Spy series. And full disclosure, we did receive a free uh, advanced reader copy from Nick Alley. Right into the jacket? Let's do it. She's an avenging angel who tempts him like the devil. If Miss Laura Hopkins desired a husband, her beauty, brains, and fortune would make it easy to acquire one. Instead, Laura prefers to put her charms to another purpose entirely. Using the alias Lady Sterling, Laura helps young women who have been mistreated or compromised by their employers. Some might see it as theft and blackmail. For Laura, it's a small measure of justice. But while in pursuit of her latest target, Laura is unexpectedly aided by a gentleman who announces that he is Lord Sterling. As a spy for the Crown, Captain Jeremy Addison Viscount Sterling has been assigned all manner of dangerous missions, though none as complicated as investigating the beguiling Lady Sterling. Forced to pose as newlyweds at the home of a disreputable Earl, Laura and Jeremy forge an unexpected alliance and a passionate connection. But can such a dangerous masquerade possibly lead to a real, lasting love? I love when they end the synopsis, like the back cover copy with a question, because the answer is always yes. <laughs> this jacket had me from the first sentence <laughs> she's an avenging angel who tempts him like the devil done sign me up <laughs> don't need the rest like that is just so pithy and perfect it was really good honestly this this is a great book jacket it's a really good book jacket no it's, complaints from me it's not accurate like but i don't care I basically just... jeremy has not done a lot of dangerous missions he's he's not a field agent and that's part of what's so charming about this book Yes. But other than that, the book jacket is accurate. But what it does really well is it really tells you, you know, the charm of the book and what you're going to get. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not even that upset about the sort of mislabeling of him as a field agent because he's still doing dangerous work and still needs to protect his family from what he does and doesn't know. It's true. So whatever. <laughs> whatever <laughs> you're gonna I'm gonna be saying that a lot like I know we've reviewed the first two in this series and I rolled my eyes a lot at the coincidences and like they ultimately detracted from the earlier books for me this one the coincidences are even more coincidental and I cared less somehow <laughs> I I'm not, I'm not kidding. I loved it. I loved every single coincidence. And every time there was another one, I was just like, yes. If there could be more, I, I don't think there could have been more. I and honestly I think she was like at peak, you know. Just like lean in, fully yeah. lean in. Exactly. Well, as usual, we generated a random number. And then we wrote our own summaries based on that number. And for this episode, the number is 23. Uh, I'll go ahead and kick it off. <laughs> a series of coincidences leads to true love. That's true love with your alter ego's virgin spy hero of a husband, mind you. Yep. There you go. Um, 
the fact that Meg got the phrase virgin spy hero into her summary is everything you need to know about this podcast. I think we can stop now. <laughs> we're, we're done. We're done. We're done. All right. So mine. Spy in his first field assignment must track down Batman for women. A series of coincidences leads to them faking marriage in the enemy's house. So guys, we, we really don't read each other's summaries when we write our own. So I just want you to know that. We really, we get at what we think is the heart of the matter in the words we're given. And sometimes there's parallels. You know, we have a very limited number of words to work with. And we have to get, we have to get to the heart of it. We do. Alrighty, so this is tropetacular. The biggest one is obviously spies and virgin hero. We've dealt with that. Uh, so what else do you have that you can identify here? Well, they're in a fake relationship, obviously. They are. The, the most fake of all fake relationships, and it was amazing. Um, I think it's my favorite fake relationship trope because it's the they agree to be in a fake relationship, improvising in the spur of the moment. Oh, it's an having- improvisation, yes. Without actually knowing each other? Yeah, they don't know each other. They don't know if they can trust the other one. It's, it's great. I love Have you things. seen the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, Mr. and Mrs. Smith? I have not. Okay, so the, that movie, their meet cute is they're both in Bogota, Colombia, mm-hmm. staying in a hotel, and some major person's been assassinated. And so the police are told to look for people traveling alone. And so he gets cornered at the front desk and they're like, are you traveling alone? And she walks in and he goes, no, this is my wife. And she's like, she's like, hello, husband. And like, that's their meet cute. And this reminded me so much of that. Uh Uh-huh. It's, I mean, it's perfection. I'm sorry. That movie is also perfection. So it makes sense. (laughs) So yeah, it's a fake relationship. What other tropes are there? So on her way to the assignation she is taking on in this book because uh, put upon governess has requested her services. Mm-hmm. She's in a carriage accident. There are several layers of tropes tied into this. So her mother tragically died in a carriage accident in the rain. Mm-hmm. This also leads to her getting injured, mm-hmm. which leads to the hurt comfort trope mm-hmm. because she's also that he has to carry her everywhere specific subset. Of the hurt comfort trip. Such a such a great subset. So there's just a lot of like things tied into the carriage accident that are so tropey. Yeah. Uh, it also leads to so their fake relationship and the carriage accident lead them to taking refuge at someone's house. And of course, since they're newlyweds, there's only one bed. Right. They have to pretend to be married, keep up the farce, and um, share a bed together. Mm-hmm. They just do. Well, because what if the servants see them sleeping apart? That will undermine their alias. Absolutely. Let's see. He, so she obviously has a fake identity. But then they both have covers as well, right? Right. So we have like the layered fake identities. He doesn't have any fake names. But he obviously pretends to be a normal military man. Right. Who rejects his title because of reasons. Yes. He also inherited it unexpectedly. Yes. He is the unexpected heir. Yes, he is. 
And he's the trope of like a bunch of random people died up the family tree and he inherited having no idea he was even eligible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like the surprise, surprise, you're the heir. Yep. Oh, gosh. She's a sad, tragic orphan. She is. So her mother died, as we said, tragically in a carriage accident in the rain. And her father was a lecher who abused her and her mother, it sounds like, um, who drank himself to death, pretty much. She's pretty well adjusted, despite all that. You know. She lives with a spinster aunt who kept her grounded. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not lying. Like I'm not kidding when I tell you that it's just very nice to have someone who's not permanently affected by these issues in her past. You know. Well, especially when you have the counterpoint of the hero. Yes. Yep. Yeah. We'll talk about that. That was my only issue with this book. So we'll talk well, about I think that. That's such a trope, right? It is. Well, okay. You talk about it. He won't have kids because daddy issues. Right. But in his case, it's not even just like not just having kids, not just getting married. He, He ain't going all the way. Yeah, it was kind of, I didn't question this. It wasn't, he didn't do anything. Nothing. So there are things he could, if that had been the issue, if like, being unwilling to fully consummate a relationship that could beget heirs was really the problem. There's a lot more he could have done. His <laughs> chastity was not just tied up in this. It was also tied up into like his responsibility and feeling like now that he had a title, people only wanted him for his title. He has a lot of issues. He, he is not well adjusted. No, he's not, but it didn't bother me so much. Like there was just one specific aspect that got to me, but mm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and this isn't a romance trope, but I do want to point it out because it's a tr- literary trope. Mm-hmm. She leaves a calling card mm-hmm. whenever I, she's completed a, a case. And I think you see that a lot, right? Whether it's a villain who will leave the signature tell or a vigilante who, yes. that signal, whatever. Oh. Like, she's she's got a calling card. Yes. Except it's a literal calling card. It's a literal calling card, which I I. At first, I was like, oh, man, it's a calling card. This is so dumb. But she explains her reasoning, and I actually got really on board with it. I loved the drama, but it was actually logical. And it, you weren't just told it was logical. It did make sense. I really liked it. I really liked it. All right. Should we just get into the book? I think we should. I just loved almost everything, almost everything about this book. Like, the fact that it starts, and she's being accosted by someone, he saves her, but they don't know if it's the other one. Just just that, that they met, and then later on, it, like, comes up. I don't know, just everything. Everything. Yeah, so he happened to have seen her at a ball because, oh, her brother's in his unit. Yes! And... Oh, the cookbook from the first book was actually initially grabbed by her. Yes, she's the one who found it. And then, oh, one of my favorite parts, after the carriage accident, she's in the inn and she's thinking, she actually thinks, oh, now would be the time for a deus ex machina. Well, my other favorite thing is, this is very early, so it's such a minor spoiler, but she's in this inn, traveling as herself temporarily, though for the reasons of lady sterling and she like freaks he calls her lady sterling 
Yes. Almost exposes her. And she's like, the only cover she thinks she can come up with is I'm his wife, not that lady Sterling. I'm so upset. It was compared to this person. And oh, by the way, he is actually Lord Sterling. And she does not know that when she makes up this cover, I was like, this is the moment where I was going to be upset about coincidences. It would happen. And instead I'm just laughing. You're just like, okay, this is how this book is going to go. And I'm loving it. Well, and like, of course he was a chess prodigy and chess ends up being important. Of course. Of course it takes her womanly practical knowledge to identify the problem with a previous book. It's Yep. It was everything to me. It was everything. It was just it was just so good. I don't know. I I do think you have to be in the mood for it. Uh, yeah, but I think the post Christmas yes. saccharine is when you're in the mood for like the absurdity to continue without necessarily all of the wintry. Yeah, I just, I I was just, I was just really into everything. I was just really into every twist and turn, every silly thing that you're, you know, other times you might be like, oh yeah, sure. That would really happen. No, it was just great. I also love the way every conflict was handled. Like there were no, we didn't talk to each other disagreements. The one time you're worried it's going to happen. He's like, are you mad at me? And she's like, no, I would have done the same thing in your shoes because obviously We've talked about this before. The inherent conflict in spy books is often that spies can't talk about the work they do. Yep. And even though she figured him out, I didn't think he was a bad spy. No. Like they were both sharing quarters in a way they'd never had to before and having to share information. I bought that they were both competent and clever and funny without, because of what was shown to me on the page, not just because I was told. Yeah, I agree. And the few times he was a little inept, like you could chalk it up to not a field agent. Right? It's his, it, this is his first time in the field. You know, the rest of the time he's a code breaker. He's underground. I actually even loved the part where she was like, oh, he's so pale. He's probably a scholar. I was like, yes, lean in, lean into it all. It was so entertaining. I even loved just how like more, much more over the top she's getting with the spy master as the matchmaker. Yes. Like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Whenever the epilogue isn't about the main couple and is just setting up the next book, which this book takes a little further, the second, the last chapter is clearly a reunion for a series we haven't read. Usually I skim right past that, but I'm just loving what like a meddling old like matchmaker the spy master is in this previewed book in this one in the epilogue is clearly a a marriage in crisis. Yeah. It's just like, are you kidding me? Not only is it a marriage in crisis, it's a marriage that he made, he put together like mm. eight years ago. He's like, oh, it's an early test run. Like, <laughs> this is his real out. profession, not spying against Napoleon. Oh my God, it killed me. I was like, this is where I could be frustrated at every turn and how ridiculous this is, or I can just enjoy it. And I just enjoyed this. Uh, So let's talk. So this is something that I thought was really interesting and I really liked about the book. We have talked about how we like when historical romance will examine like a modern day problem, Mm -hmm. uh, but from a different perspective. So I'm not talking about like writing with modern language. I'm not talking about specific like issues in feminism right now. Um, but I'm talking about things that can be applied to today. And one of the things that she brings up that I really liked, um, is that her whole Robin Hood persona, 
So Lane said she was Batman for women, right? She, the reason that she's an avenging angel is because there are women who are powerless and she needs to get something from the men who have made them powerless. Um, so it's women who generally have been abused by their employers, right? Right. And there's a part where she's explaining to Jeremy why she does what she does. She's like, well, imagine that your sister was preyed upon by a man like this. And I just love how Jeremy was like, he's like, yeah, but I don't have to have a sister to imagine, to know that this is something horrible, you know? And I was just like, thank you, Jeremy. I I just loved it. Yeah, I think the only thing I would have liked, and it's not, again, I really enjoyed the book. I do wish we'd had a little bit more of her origin story. Yeah. We know her dad is the why that he himself was a lecturer and she wants to save other women from men like him and that she has some independent means. Yes. But I wish I would have known what her first case was. Mm-hmm. Like, because oh, the, fir- the earliest case you hear about in the book is someone who writes to her already in the guise of Lady Sterling asking for help. And she's like, I was too green to handle this, a case this complicated then. But then how did you get into it? How did you develop this, co- like, reputation? We know how her last couple of years have gone, but how did this start? Yeah, I, I would have enjoyed that myself. But, you know... It also wasn't necessary. Not to this plot, it wasn't. Yeah. I'm just so, like, it was a good book and I'm curious. Yeah. Like, she could write a little prologue novella or something and I would, I would be totally into it. Same. So, so, yeah, I really liked her Robin Hood persona. And I also liked, she comes up with these ridiculous plot lines, basically, for her and Jeremy to play out. So she's like, let's imagine that I'm in love with you and you're in love with me, but you don't want to show that you're in love with me. So you have to act really cold towards me. And he's like, why, why is this like, why is this method acting? You know, I also loved when she was like, okay, I was cold to you in the carriage. And we said, I ran away from you and we clearly married for money. So tomorrow morning, I'm going to have to convince all the maids. You boned me into being in love with you. Well, I love how she, she, she doesn't say this, but it's so funny. Cause she was like, okay, I'm going to be in love with you. And he was like, he was like but you were really cold in the carriage like what happened overnight to make this happen and she gives him this look and he's like oh no (laughs) well and even the scene where they decide they need an excuse to leave yes and she just like pulls this whole scene it's like it's very funny it's it's really funny it's really funny and it's really fun (sighs) Yeah, I I think I was just really in the mood. It was, it was, and I think that's part of the charm of the book too, is that Susanna Craig knows what she's doing. In the, in the tavern, when Laura thinks now's the moment for a deus ex machina and the deus ex machina appears, as a reader, I really enjoyed that. I'm like, oh, she knows what she's doing. The same thing when you're reading this book and it's a, it's a total farce. Laura and Jeremy are like, let's base it on this play that's a farce. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, she, she just really masterfully worked with that, I think. No, I, I just, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. Trigger warning? Content well, warning? I, I mean, she's obviously an avenging angel for women who have been abused and exploited by their employers. And 
the hard circumstances a lot of women find themselves in are not glossed over mm-hmm. not on the page, but she's failed before and those women have ended up in very bad situations. Yes. You know, she's got women under her care who have been abandoned by men in positions of power. It's not easy to read. Yeah. So there's that. I personally was just not thrilled with Jeremy's backstory. I, I, uh, this is one place where I think she took it just a little bit too far for my taste. Okay. So at a young age, Jeremy finds out something pretty traumatic uh, about his past, right? About how he was conceived. Um, And it's not, it has to do with why he's a reluctant heir and it has to do with why he doesn't want to not only produce an heir and carry on the title, but just, I mean, have sex in ever, basically. I mean, he makes a decision when he's like 16 that he will remain a virgin forever. He makes a vow yeah. of celibacy, basically. Yeah, I didn't read it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm the first one to jump on the, like, this is a shitty reason for being a virgin and I hated the way that virginity was, like, displayed in this book. But I read it very much as, like, this sort of shy, reserved kid who was already thinking about going into the clergy loses his dad in this really traumatic way and inherits, like, a pretty shitty situation. Mm-hmm. And so the first time a woman ever pays attention to him is the night he goes and gets wasted after finding out he's got this title and everyone's all over him and acting like it's this really exciting thing and this girl clearly tries to come up with them that night. And he's just like, oh my god, this feels like such a gross situation. Within a matter of weeks is enlisting in the army where there's, and he thinks his mother was raped by someone in the army. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, like, by even donning the red coat, he's betraying her. Like, I thought it was a little less deliberate and conscious of a choice. I I would agree with you, except for the fact that everything gets cleared up after one little conversation with his mom. And immediately he's like, all right, let's do this, Laura. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree with you that, like, it was clearly a lot more... I agree with you that clearly based on his response to the conversation with his mother, it was much more causative than correlated for him. Mm-hmm. But I still don't necessarily think at any point he sat down to make the deliberate choice of I'm never even going to make out with someone. After <laughs> <this>. <laughs> yeah, no, but he did. I mean, he, he did make the decision that he would not, he would never have a child. Right. <laughs> Which leads to, I will never have sex basically. So uh, to me, it just, it it was just a smidgen too far. And I know I just raved about how far this book takes everything. That's the one thing I wish she had pulled back on just a tiny bit. Yeah, I didn't feel the same. I was totally like, I didn't love it necessarily. Virgin hero shit is not my thing in the way it's Meg's thing. But like, no part of it was a red flag to me. Okay. All right. Uh, Let's talk about sexiness. Was this book? sexy book you know this to me this is not a one-handed read no it's not but it's such a fun book their chemistry is so palpable i love when she asks him to kiss her just once and then it's not just once you guys 
and then there's a carriage hookup and then they do finally like i i want to say finally have sex after all the conflict between them is resolved but there's really never any conflict between them no no it's it's a different conflict it's a conflict for why he can't get married basically well, it's, it's not a conflict for like he's a spy and she's lady sterling and clearly those two things are the most important thing in both of their lives yes yep so like, I, i'm fine with yes I thought that the the sexiness level was kind of perfect for this book. Yes, it was a tonal match. Yes, yes. Like their first, like just one kiss. You know, they're like, okay, it's just one kiss if we don't separate our mouths. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and also, I love how she's like, "What's poking, poking me?" <laughs> he's like thinking he's got to explain the birds and the bees to her, and she's like. No, remember we met in a garden where someone had my head in their hands and I was on my knees. She's like, there's, I know li- there's something very like different than your anatomy dabbing oh. into me now. I was just oh like, this God. is everything to me. This is hilarious. It was, I, I, it was sexy and then it was funny and it didn't piss me off. It was great. I loved it. I loved it. So basically, we highly recommend this book. Yeah, definitely. Highly recommend. Um, definitely don't start here. No, you probably want to read the first two in the series. Um, like the first, the first book or the second? Which one's her brother as the hero? Well, her brother's never the hero. He has. He's not the hero yet. The second book is more about the cookbook, though. So yes, at least so sorry. The second. Her, her brother appears. In earlier books, he's not the hero yet. Um, I, I'm assuming he's going to be the hero someday. This, this like spy unit in this tobaccoist basement is present. Like the this book isn't the end of the romantic things to wrap up. Obviously, we told you there's an epilogue leading to the next book, but it is the end of this like French spy encryption. Thread. Yeah. Yeah, I would say read this, at least the second book and the third book. The first book is not super required, I don't think. But it's fun. Yeah, no, I, I recommend them all, but I wouldn't start here. Yeah. Thank I you so think. much for listening. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And um, check us out around the internet. Rate, review, subscribe. And then happy just past New Year. Happy New Year.